next workshop. Um, we're down in South Georgia next week. And um, we are, I think, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday uh, with um, uh, Georgia LTAP. Uh, I've got a session, I think, in um, Milledgeville and one in uh, Thomaston. So we're down in, uh, in South Georgia next uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We just, uh, I just put up a post on um, the storm sawing workshop, which we've, uh, we've had a change of, of management at uh, Barry on the land management. And so uh, they haven't uh, gotten another um, manager for the land set up yet. So um, Billy, um, he uh, left in September. So we haven't been able to get anything confirmed as far as a, another uh, use of Barry College's site for the spring. But um, we uh, have been in touch with uh, Biltmore, which I've done uh, uh, workshops there uh, several, several years ago, and um, the Biltmore States, and they have all types of, of facilities there that we can uh, use for classroom as well as uh, uh, fantastic field sites. And so Bill there has uh, set up for us to uh, do a workshop the week. Uh, it's May 10th, 11th, and 12th. And it's going to be in Asheville, North Carolina at the Biltmore Estates. And uh, I'll have some more information. I just put it up on the website last week. I have some more information on it uh, in the next coming weeks. So uh, we've got 12, 12 seats available. And um, I think two of them will be taken by staff there at... Uh, at the Biltmore. So we've got 10, 10 seats available for that one. And that's a three-day workshop. We'll be starting on uh, a Tuesday. Everybody come in on a Monday, starting on a Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday that week. So should be a should be a good one, good site. Hey, Aubrey. Um, best chainsaw for pro use. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to to say a good sharp one is probably about the best. I um I've always told people I say you know chainsaws don't make chainsaws people do, and if I if I look at it from that standpoint, one of the biggest things is having a a good local dealership that can handle parts and repairs for you. You know some areas I go they're they're real strong on steel. Some areas I go. Uh, real strong on Husqvarna. Um, got uh, some areas with uh, strong echo and up in New England with John Sered. So, you know, there's four or five major brands that, that really do a great job. It's also according to which model that you're kind of looking at size-wise and, and that kind of thing. But uh, one, of the, one of the major things is, you know, if you stay with one of those top four or five brands, uh, in in uh, higher use models, the dealer is usually going to have a good stock of parts, and the mechanics are going to be familiar with them because at some point in time, you're going to need that. And uh, maybe you do your own work, you still have to have uh, parts available, so that's uh, that's a key factor to it. But I've uh, 
I've got a steel 362 with M-Tronic. I've got one with the regular adjustable carburetor. I've got a, um, a 562 on uh, Husqvarna with the auto-tune. I've also got a 576 for a little larger saw. And I've got a, a couple of the, the smaller uh, 338s. Um, but uh, that's, that's really um, all I've got. Uh, so I... I am not real partial to one or the other brands, but um, I, I find that uh, Steel and Husqvarna offer uh, quite a lot of good dealer backing and parts backing for the units. Plus, they're very, very dependable. So let's see here. It looks like you have a duplicate live stream running on your channel. Just a heads up, there's folks watching the other one. Huh. Okay. So... Um, I don't know where it would be going out to. Let me see if I if I stop this stream. So maybe maybe that did it. <clears throat> so I think it uh, had two two going out because I got OBS running also for a quarter. Well, maybe that did it. Let me know, pistol shooter. So um, should just have one, one there now. Yeah, it should have stopped. Can you talk on a chainsaw milling safety? Uh, are you talking about for uh, milling lumber? Or are you talking about a, a wood mill safety for? Uh, you know, plant or something. Um, been involved with both, do a lot with the uh, paper mills and uh, wood processing mills. But I, I assume you're talking about um, uh, like Alaskan sawmill or something like that, lumber mill. Okay. So um, you had a, a 400 last saw class. I don't really like them trying. A hand at square ground. <laughs> square ground. Um, if you if you're looking at um, milling, you know, with a, a chainsaw mill, um, square ground offers a, a very very smooth cut, almost almost as smooth as what you'd have with ripping chain. Not quite as much, but um, very close to it. There's the chisel grind. You know, the square grind on the chain doesn't have to move very much side to side to clear the chips. So uh, the, the, the chain tooth stays very straight in the kerf. With a semi-chisel, you know, it kind of moves more left or right. You have more top angle on it. Uh, square ground is, is about 20 degrees on the top angle, and then you'd have uh, zero to 10 degrees on, on ripping chain. And so very little side movement. But the, uh, square ground uh, gives good, uh, good chip clearance on ripping. That's for, for definite. And um, the 400, um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's got plenty of power probably with, unless you're into something more than about, uh, you know, 24 inch bar or something like that milling, the 400 should have, have plenty of power for uh, making your lumber. And, um, you know, as far as a, a milling safety, um, you know, you you got to keep your hands and feet in the right places on that because it's it's something where uh, pushing through with a 
uh, according to what type of a, a, a chainsaw rig that you have, um, you know, if it has a, a frame itself and then the log is on the frame or whether you're, you're using a, a bolt on to the log, um, you know, the biggest thing is don't, don't try to push too hard. Uh, you've got to keep a good sharp chain, keep your RPM up. So um, when you start trying to, to force things, things start moving around a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Alaskan, Alaskan Chainsaw Mill, there's two or three different versions of it that I've seen over the years, but that's that's one of the best that uh, you can be able to, um, well, according to which one you have, but it's uh, a clamp onto the log or either you've got the, the framework um, style on it. So either way, uh, it, it works out pretty good. Just make sure you keep all the your bar attachment bolts and, and that type of stuff uh, uh, tighten so you don't have any loose rigging on it. <clears throat> As you know, you can you can really make some, it's a slow go, but you can really make some beautiful lumber with those chainsaw rigs. They, um, they, they make things uh, pretty accurate actually. All right, so pistol shoot RC. I, I took the other other channel off of it. I got it. I got it set up on a on an OBS software also, and I guess it went straight to uh, to YouTube. So, and also I'm gonna try to get a simulcast going on the next one on Facebook, so uh, it can actually do that with that software. So it should work out pretty good. But uh, going back to um, to the workshops a little bit, the, that three day in in Asheville, I've been doing the uh, three day around the country a good bit with city, county, and state. Um, it's actually I, I I started off with it um, been about twelve years ago. We put it together for uh, the storm sawing workshops at at Berry College, and. Um, it's it's something where we 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 start off on on day one, just about a half a day of a classroom, uh, going through the the basics, uh, looking at all the different aspects of personal protective gear and sharpening and reactive forces, and uh, some planning processes for uh, reduced downtime maintenance and also for uh, for standing trees as well as horizontal. I found that that uh, the first step on the training process with that is to to kind of make your your own pressures and binds to to kind of start off with and then you can move it over to a um, you know a storm situation if you if you have some blowdowns and things like that which at, at Barry usually we had uh, a couple areas that we could go to 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 be able to work with the um, you know already downed or uprooted blown over storm trees so it worked out good there, and I'm sure we'll basically have the same thing um, at Biltmore this time too. But uh, after lunch on the first day, we we'll go out and I do a little demonstration and and go through the felling of trees. We talk about that, and the day two we have a little competition going with felling the trees. So everybody gets to take down a tree, and we crisscross them up to start to make some storm situations, some pressures and binds, and so that that works out good. And then that afternoon on the second day, uh, we start really practicing on sharpening 
and uh, checking out the chainsaws. Uh, we try to have most people bring their own saws, but I do have uh, uh, two or three usually that, that we have there that, that people can use if they're flying in or whatever. But um, we go through that Tuesday evening and then, and then uh, or second day, Wednesday evening, Thursday, uh, we, we actually work in, in teams looking at hangers, spring poles, um, different types of pressures and binds, offset cuts, tongue and groove, um, and what we call a slide notch and a notch and hinge to be able to work with the, the storm situations. And it's, uh, it's really worked out well in the groups because we work on some planning together because you're usually, you know, working around some other folks. And so it helps on the planning together, especially with the cities and towns that I work with. Uh, the teams uh, really help to, to solidify how things work because you can kind of see uh, really when things go wrong as well as when they go right. So it, it really helps out that way. So... So the three-day uh, program is is something that um, uh, it, it covers most all of the bases. It's not a whole lot of saw time uh, for participants, but it is a it is probably about uh, thirty percent or so. And it, um, but it, it gives you such a an ability to go back and share information or or to know what to look for and where to find uh, the different um, information that you need on your own later. I found that if you if you have a good basis on everything, then it it tends to uh, make it easy to be able to practice and and get better at it. So, let's see, what are your thoughts on chainsaw chap protective clothing ratings? I've had a hard time figuring out most appropriate leg protection due to differences in Euro versus American testing specs. Um, in the United States here, we, we, we basically um, have two different testing uh, situations on leg protection. We've got uh, what really was established to begin with, and the first real leg protection that was out there was U.S. Forest Service. And so um, they, they kind of set up the specs and helped design some of the first machines uh, for their tests uh, for procurement standards. And that was based on, on roughly a 2,800 feet per minute uh, chain resistance. Um, in other words, in certain uh, positions of the chain and also in certain RPMs, certain type chain, they set up the test. Uh, and in those, in those you know, crossovers, um, different positions, it, it had to resist a cut through on the pads. And that was up to a 28. 2,800 feet per minute. And then um, the ANSI B-175 standards and, and all with the, that came about in the middle 80s started to uh, set up the criteria for kickbacks and, and those kinds of things. And, and um, another rig system was, was set up by general industry. And more or less that... Um, that became a, a following the Forest Service between 2,800 and 3,000 feet per minute on that 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 particular test rig. Uh, there's really uh, only a couple rigs in the United States that at that time, and they um, they pretty much uh, uh, set up a UL classification 
At that point, I believe it was uh, ANSI, and then it changed over to an ASTM standard, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, Europe was basically working on the ISO standards, which was more or less 3,600 uh, feet per minute at that time. And so it went from about a, a four-layer chap to, uh, with the ISO, usually a six-layer. And some of those now, I believe, are in, in five-layer. You know, my, my biggest thing with uh, leg protection and a lot of uh, PPE is, is just trying to, to get people to use it. And uh, just about anything that had a UL classification on it, whether it was the 2800 or 3600, um, it, was, it was something that was better than a pair of blue jeans. And so um, that, that was the main, main emphasis. And now we've got so many different um, outlets. You know, the pads are pretty much the, the same. You either have the uh, Kevlar pads or you have a... Uh, Ingetex or uh, Prolar, so those are those are pretty much the pad materials. And then you've got now all kinds of gamuts of outside materials, which make it for comfort, water resistance, and all that kind of stuff. And so that's that's one of the biggest things. Um, those those two, you know, pretty much meet. I mean, you can you can take as far as I, I I've watched them on the rigs in several different situations in the test years ago, but I've done so many of them, uh, you know, cutting and demonstrations across the country with used chaps and new chaps and new pants and used pants and uh, different size saws. And really I find uh, uh, sometimes smaller saws uh, are less less jammable, I guess you'd say. That's what I call it, is they, the chaps really work off of jamming. And so uh, uh, they they, it's not that much the larger saws uh, as far as cubic inch as as much as it is the length of the bar and uh, you know how much how much area that that bar is able to get to uh, as regards to the you know the the chap surface or leg surface so it's um it's something that uh, uh, either one of them offers pretty pretty decent protection for for most most saw gamuts. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're not really designed in application to be cut proof. They're, they're designed to hopefully lessen an injury. And that's, I think, how we really have to have to look at it. There's been uh, a lot of questions about, um, you know, the battery saws. And I can tell you from years past, the, the corded larger electric saws used in mills and, and some, uh, some different applications where you had generators or power uh, cords available. Uh, those didn't slow down much. The armatures were big. They were a lot of horsepower in the armature, and uh, they would they would go pretty much through any chap. But the battery saws tend to, um, you know, kind of stall down pretty easy, kind of like what you have with the gasoline with a centrifugal clutch. The centrifugal clutch starts to slip. Well, these these battery saws now, because the way the the drive systems are, uh, they they tend to. Uh, as if the motor gets to a certain stall, then it basically shuts off. And so most most all the testing that I've heard about, which is not really much documented at this point, but the ones I've done, I've done three or four with different uh, different saws uh, at power companies and stuff, and uh, all of them have have stopped. Uh, 
you know, so it's 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 worked pretty good as far as leg protection goes. But um, you know, uh, going back to the Euro or American testing specs, um, I think Steele basically chose years ago because of their international business to go with the ISO standards, and so uh, most everything they had was was six to even nine layers at one time. So. Um, you know that that's what you'll find on most of theirs because that's a choice they made on their marketing and and their products, um, and I I know that that some of the newer uh, chap and leg protection manufacturers out there uh, the same basic pads but they're uh, a lot of them are four and five layer now that are are very close to the ISO standards so from what I understand so uh, leg protection has has come a long way since I was first involved with it. But uh, oh, Tim's on there. Uh, chaps and pants don't last forever either, he says. And make sure you feel them and get rid of them and fibers don't feel right. And uh, what he's talking about there is uh, uh, a lot of times with the chaps and, and pants, after you wear them a while, the, the, the matted fibers will start to separate. And so you've got, you know, five, six to nine layers um, and and the material is is crisscrossed across different uh, the way it's it's actually um, uh, uh, loomed, and so more or less as you as you start to bend at the knees and and different things the the fibers start to separate, and when they do many times uh, it's a it's a it's a very small. Um, thing that it it can't have a lot of binding around the edges it's real tight because at that point then the chainsaw can't pull the fibers out it's like sewing through the material or putting a patch on it or something it, it inhibits it as well as dirt and debris does but when it separates like that it pulls away and it, and it tends to uh, slide down in the pads so you'll You'll uh, reach down to the bottom, you know, at the bottom of your pad on the leg, and you'll notice there's kind of a, a big ball of it down there, and that's because it's pulled away from the from the sides and uh, slid down. So make sure that you you check that, and definitely when you when you have uh, pants that are real tight, um, the material tends to tighten up around your knees, and that that'll. Uh, it doesn't do quite as good a job at at pulling out to uh, jam the saw, so that that's something to think about there too. You want them to to kind of fit loosely but snugly, so they don't rotate around. But uh, you need to have a little bit of room there in the knee area. We used to call it an articulated knee, and uh, the pants we designed, we always gave a, a a little bit more pocket area there for the knee to go into. Let's see. Thanks for discussion. Appreciate the info. Battery size versus chaps as well. Okay. And, uh, I just um, I just posted a, a couple days ago uh, uh, a redo of uh, 
uh, interview I had with David Breed, and he's the Husqvarna representative for North Georgia. And uh, I've got a lot of information on there on the, the battery saws. And we, we talked a little bit about um, uh, some of the, the um, information that they put out recently on the leg protection with the battery saws. So you might want to take a look at that, too. So that's uh, kind of interesting as far as Husqvarna's view on it. Well, we've got um, a couple more minutes here. We're not going to go too long tonight. I want to try to set these up, and I just wanted to get everything kind of checked out tonight, and we'll do a little bit more uh, promotion on it, try to get these things together. And, and But if you do have some, some different topics, uh, I'd be glad to, to try to put together some... Um, some video or maybe even we can move back to the shop area and, and go through some things, uh, maintenance or sharpening or, or whatever. So um, Aaron says, when and where did you get started with chainsaws and chainsaw safety? Um, Aaron, I, this, this is about my, uh, I think close to 43 years. Um, I, uh, I started off working on on chainsaws and uh, lawnmowers back in the in the um, middle '70s out of high school, and uh, went to work with distributor in uh, Atlanta, and got involved helping them with some of the service schools and really enjoyed that. And then um, I I went in business with a or started working for a, a gentleman to open a, a shop in Georgia and. And uh, I ended up, I, I tried to buy it out, and I did, but then ended up, uh, kind of went broke in the early 80s. And one of the distributors, again, picked me up, and and they had um, um, McCulloch chainsaws. They, they became the, the Southeastern distributor for McCulloch. And one of the McCulloch reps uh, left and became uh, general manager for Steel and Richard Burchett. And he became a real mentor for me, and and it was closer to home, so I, I went to work at the distributorship for Georgia, and that's when about the time uh, uh, Steele had uh, formed a contract agreement with Soren Erickson, and Soren had sold out uh, Nord for him and his two partners, uh, other partners had sold out that to Electrolux in the late '70s. He had come to the states, moved to South Carolina. And uh, he actually uh, was working with companies like Scott and West Vaco and, and those types and, and doing some training and shows for steel. And so I've, I had helped put together some of them in Georgia and he and I kind of hit it off. He was actually at that time, he had uh, Swede for, which was uh, producing his protective clothing and uh, that he was supplying to a lot of the paper companies and all. And and uh, he ended up moving that. It was in Eclectic, Alabama to begin with. That's where I got involved in, in helping putting together different chap styles and pants styles. And then he moved it to Somerville, South Carolina. And that's, that's still, it's the 
Grand's Forest today is still producing most all of the, the U.S. steel uh, personal protective gear. And so I was I was pretty well involved with that, helping with design and, and different things back in those days. And and that was in the the middle to, to late 80s. And then in, in uh, 1989, uh, the guy who I had, he was kind of the rep for steel became the um, the national sales manager. And so I I decided uh, to go to work for them. And, and I worked for Steel Incorporated and traveled the whole country as applications manager, still keeping up with Soren and all. And then that gentleman, Dave Zerfoss, he left and he became the North American president for Husqvarna. And so Soren and I went over to Husqvarna. They got behind our game of logging training system. And Steele had, had done a great job sponsoring it up till then and getting it started. And and uh, then Husqvarna got behind it and then also started one Arbor Games for for um, for tree care and utilities. And, and that became Arbor Master Training. Ken Palmer, Rip Tompkins, and I, and so uh, I, I've been involved with the the training side of it, and even put together a team of twelve instructors for for Husqvarna, uh, and that was from uh, 2005, I guess it was, till about 2008. They had licensed out my company, Forced Applications, and so and, and Laura and I went to work uh, for them, putting together the training programs. And so uh, that's what it was. Then I came down with colon cancer and and uh, left Husqvarna. And and uh, so for the past 12, 13 years now, I've been uh, just Laura and I doing the training with forced applications across the country. So that's kind of the background in a nutshell. So I've uh, been doing it for, for quite a number of years and working very closely with, with steel and Husqvarna, Oregon Cutting Systems. And so... Uh, They've they've been good to me. Chainsaws have been good to me over the years. So, <laughs> yeah, I used to work on Noah's saws there, Tim. That was that was a, a few days ago. But yeah, it was a way to hit dry ground. And, and and you know we had to cut the trees out to be able to get that uh, boat to be able to land properly on ground. So that was how it worked. Uh, am I still working with Steel's new files? I was just part of the um, the feasibility market feasibility for the United States, and all I had was a uh, uh, one bar and and one file, and that was uh, the Hexa system, and so I've 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 used up pretty much the file that I had, uh, and uh, I've I've kept the chain. I, I've kind of hand filed some some other conversions but uh, I, I've still got the chain but it's it's back about halfway but uh, hopefully uh, we're going to start seeing that hex of chain and uh, and files after the first of the year from what I understand so um, it's 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 a pretty neat pretty neat system there's not a lot of difference in the in the chain itself but the the file for maintaining it and could be used on converting others is is a pretty neat pretty neat system so um so anyway i didn't know he was your age uh, lost me on that one
didn't know he who was he, Mr. Buzz. What the? I didn't know he was your age, Tim. <laughs> oh, I see now. You're talking about Cotton Top. It takes me a little while because I'm I'm a little bit older than Cotton Top Three. He's he's still kind of a young feller. If you can watch him up in the trees, you'll see what I'm talking about. Let's see. You need a few more moderators, my friend. <laughs> yeah, happy Thanksgiving. All right. Well, y'all can uh, y'all can send some some topics, put them in the comments, and uh, we'll try to follow up some different things and, and uh, try to build it up a little bit. Appreciate you all coming out tonight, and hopefully we'll we'll see you again in a maybe uh, next weekend or so. And so y'all have a great one and good sawing. <laughs>